Happy Friday, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with myself, the one and only Bailey Arredondo, coming at you live from Fort Worth, Texas. I have a great show today. I'm excited to be back on the mic and to bring on my first interviewee of Real Talk. I'm going to bring on a good college buddy of mine, Will Owen, who is a professional race car driver. Really wanted to bring Will in today just to kind of talk about his career, talk about what he's doing, where he's racing how he does it, what's in store. So let's get started, Will. I appreciate you taking the time to come out and talk on Real Talk. I really want to just kind of highlight what race you're in, what team you're on. I know you made a big jump in your career this year. It's a stepping stone into what could be an illustrious career. So really just take me in and take my audience into what team you're on, what cars you're racing, and what do you do? Absolutely, well, first of all, thank you, Bailey, for having me on Real Talk. I'm honored to be here as a guest. And um, yeah, so I'll just give you a quick story about the year. Uh, in 2019, I have committed to race with Huncos Racing. Uh, they're based out of Indiana, and we are driving the Cadillac DPI VR uh, in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Challenge. So this series is a 10-race series across the United States and, and one race in Canada over 2019. We have um, four endurance races, a 24-hour, a 12, a 6, and a 10. And then we have six uh, sprint races, which sprint means like two and a half hours to about three. Um, so that's that's the racing series. The car, like I said, is a Cadillac. Uh, it's a prototype chassis, which means it's a carbon fiber uh, race car. It's a carbon fiber tub, and on the back of it is bolted a, a Cadillac engine and transmission. Uh, and then around it is a uh, is a is a bodywork designed by Cadillac as well. Um, so the car is truly um, Cadillac at the heart uh, in the engine. And we're really happy and proud to represent um, their brand uh, this year as we as we travel around the as the around the U.S. And actually, um, you know, in addition to all that official stuff, it's just a badass car and it's fun as hell to drive. Well, of course. And for those who are not really familiar with racing, what cars, what kind of horsepower these cars have, what's like the top speed you can get on this type of car? Yeah. Well, the top speed on on any prototype car. The, well, the answer is it depends. It depends on the racetrack. Um, that's the main thing on a short track, like you know, a relatively short track, meaning like a short straight, a shorter lap time. We get to like 160. That's like what we get to on like a you know, a short average, a little bit lower than average length straight away on a racetrack. On you know, a track like Daytona where there's a big oval and a, like you know, you're flat out for like 20 seconds or something. Um, we're getting to like just over 190. Um, and there's some tracks the car will do more than that, but when you have a race car you have to find the balance between the best top speed um, and the best acceleration and gearing and a lot of different stuff so you can't just go for top speed you have to balance it with other things but i mean yes, some really. some serious power some serious right? numbers yeah, yeah of course on the yeah. list so you touched a little bit about the various races you have and what you guys endure throughout the year you guys already competed in the longest race correct the 24 hour right. one yeah and so what's in store next i mean you said there's a 10 hour one a 12 hour that's right is the hardest race already in the past or is there kind of keep getting tougher as the year goes on you know that's a great question that's one of my favorite things about the imza series is that there are so many different races and actually even different tracks uh, we have street courses and, and road courses 
you know, in some senses, Daytona is the hardest, you know, the hardest race because it's the longest and 24 hours is just a beat down when you're driving, you know, a proper car like the, like the Cadillac DPI. But something you've done before. It's something I've done before and it's not easy. It's, it does get a little bit easier each time, but it's never easy. How many it's, cups of, how many cups of coffee do you have? Honestly, that if you drink coffee, you're screwed because really? it'll, it'll dehydrate you and then you'll have to go to the bathroom. Okay. So five hour energy. So like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, six espresso shots before you get yeah. in the car. That'll do. No, I'm kidding i i used to drink coffee but i realized that yeah it, it can definitely dehydrate you so you have to be really that's actually the hardest part of a 24-hour race is staying managing awake, your yeah. hydration and of managing course. your nutrition for the race and planning like planning when you need to have energy because like if it's 9 p.m and you're about to go race you need to keep in mind that you're going to drive at say 5 a.m and or probably in that case if you're driving at 9 p.m you're gonna drive at, like 3 a.m so like you have to keep that in mind, and as soon as you get out of the car, if, say, you get in at 9, you'll get out at, like, 11.30. As soon as you get out, you have to eat, drink, and sleep because you have to rehydrate. It's like driving for two and a half hours is like doing a full-on race. Like, that is a long time, and to do that four or five times in 24 hours is ridiculous, honestly. So planning to, to do, you know, four or five full-length races in the professional world in that amount of time takes a lot of uh, a lot of effort and a lot of planning well what's nice too is what i noticed is that it's almost like a, a relay in a way where one driver gets in yeah. one driver comes in so is it a similar team with the team you're on now or is it right. the same number of drivers or is it different so yeah and actually going back to what i was going to say about imza um before i went on that tangent about 24-hour races they're just so crazy when I think about 24-hour races. Like, it just blows me away. But well, I mean, IMSA's doing anything for 24 is hours ridiculous. is yeah. ridiculous. So yeah. IMSA's got all different race lengths, like I was explaining. And in our 24-hour race, we have four drivers. In our 12, our 6, and our 10, we have three drivers. And then for the sprint races, we have two. Um, and so that's all kind of complicated stuff. But basically, there's two full-season drivers that do every race. Are you one others, of those full seasons? I'm one of the full-season drivers, okay. that's right, with, with Hunko. So, and then other guys that add on, um, they get deals for the other So races. you're expected so, to perform at the 24-hour, the 12-hour, the 10-hour, the 8-hour, the 2-hour? Every race. Everywhere, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's, no, there's no time to relax. I have to perform all the time. Um, but no, the team thing is really interesting with other drivers because... It's not, you have to be really careful not to be selfish. Um, because, like, for example, at Daytona, this is a good example. We, we um, had, when we first started driving the car, my teammates that had, they raced Indy cars, Kyle and Renee, and they were really used to the feel of the Indy car. And so, one of the things that was different was the brake pedal. The brake pedal of the Indy car was way stiffer. So, like, you would have to say put like 80 pounds of force on it to brake the car at, at maximum. Whereas the one, the brake cylinder that we had installed on the Cadillac, you only needed like, say, 40 pounds of force. I don't know what the numbers are, but that's just... A rough estimate, yeah. But for them, they really didn't like the soft pedal. Um, but I really did like the soft pedal because I knew that for a long race, it's better to have uh, a much lighter pedal. It doesn't, it doesn't get as tiring. It's, it's, it's better to have that for when you're going to be in the car for two hours. But they didn't like the feeling and they really wanted to, to to be for them to be quick they wanted to have this different pedal and that was one of those cases where it was like well for me i'd prefer the other one but for those other two drivers versus just me it's more important to to compromise on what i think would be more comfortable and go with this different pedal so we did that and that's just like that's an example of what sports car racing is it's like a, it's a team effort and um that's the cool thing is that racing you know you usually think of it as like a singular sport you know it's like in a way, it's like golf normally in sprint racing. There's one driver, you know, um, one golfer. You know, I guess they have their caddy and everything, and we have our team. 
but it's not like you know a team sport like basketball where you're talking to your teammates and you know throwing the ball to each other. But endurance racing, it's honestly pretty much like that because you know the car is this is the baton. You got to hand it off. You got to hand it off in one piece, and you got to make sure that the car is suitable for everybody. So exactly. Yeah. So the WeatherTech Championship that you're in now. Talk to me about that mentality when you get there on race day. I mean, where do you find this confidence to go out there and perform? Is it yourself being confident or is it your team being confident? Where does that confidence come from? Confidence is probably the most important part, right? I mean, I mean, do you, do you every, be, be honest. Do you feel that every time you go into a race, you feel like you have a chance to win? No. Well, to be honest, the answer that I give is I don't have any expectations. But deep down inside, you know... I mean, you know... You have an idea. Deep down inside, you have an idea. Of course. Um, and anything can happen is the thing... That's why we say don't have expectations, because in, a, in endurance races especially, anything can happen. So you really, you know, you really don't know what's going to happen. But in the shorter races, if you're fast in the practices and you qualify in the front, you know that you, you have at least a shot. If you're slow and you're in the back, you know that you have less of a chance. Less of a you chance. know that you're relying more on situations to help you. Um, to sort of slow down the other cars so that you can get ahead of them. Is, so, yeah. Yeah, is, is the competition tougher in this Junko's racing than the European Le Mans Series Tour, or is it yeah. maybe kind of go hand-in-hand? Hand? So it's different. Um, what, no, what, what, what do you think? I think it's, I think it's tougher here. It's I think tougher? in America okay. and IMSA, the competition is tougher. There's a couple reasons for that. So in Europe, um, in a way, it's actually you have to be – on it with the driving because there's no there's no situations where you group the cars back together so this is one of the things about sports car racing is that the rules are pretty complicated and to a to an outsider it's hard to understand but so i want to try to explain in america yeah, yeah. T- take my listeners you, into it yeah step so by step let me explain what makes america difficult versus europe uh, as far as sports car racing in america when a car crashes and there's a yellow flag they bring out a safety car and all of the cars no matter how far apart they are say that the leader's 20 seconds ahead than the second place they all get bunched back together and they go behind the safety car so when the race restarts and it goes back to green everybody is right next to each other so it's like almost starting the race over except for the position that you are in line now in europe you you don't reset so you maintain the same gap all you do is slow everybody down so if you have a 20 second gap to the car in front of you you stay 20 seconds behind. So in America, there's a lot more opportunities to make up a gap to the car in front of you. So in a sense, that makes you think, oh, well, if you're a little bit slower than another car, it can allow you to be close to them at the end. So like I said, there's a yellow flag at the end of the race. Um, you can catch back up to them in an almost unfair way with a yellow flag and then pass them and beat them, even if they were quick. So it's more of the rule changes. So the rules make yeah, it different, rules but, different, but the thing is... So you would think you would think that well you know in America since y- you have that ad- that weird advantage you might have to not, might not have to be as quick but those restarts when everybody gets bunched up together behind the safety car is one of the hardest things because when you're slow the tires get cold the brakes get cold and then it's one of the hardest times to drive a car like this. Um, well, you're, you're, a prototype. It's a machine. You're trying to keep it's, that thing it's, rolling. Yeah, you're trying to keep heat, it on it. You know, is, heat course. is the key. And if you don't have key, heat in the tires and the brakes, the thing doesn't work. The thing, it doesn't, it, I can't explain this. Like it's, Momentum. it sounds ridiculous. It doesn't stop. Like you hit the brakes and the car slows down a little bit, but it doesn't like break. And that feeling, you have to get comfortable with that feeling of going into the corner and being like, I don't know how hard, I don't know how fast the car is going to slow down. Because when they throw the green flag and you're all lined up and say you're the leader and you have eight cars behind you trying to pass you, you have to go into that first corner and you have no idea how much grip there's going to be. But if you break early, everybody's just going to pass you. 
So there is something so appealing and so attractive to me about the American racing because you have to have some balls. Like you have, you have to be able to drive it in when the when the when the flag goes green. You have to be able to drive it into that corner and drive it in there, and you and don't really know how much grip you have. Did you want that challenge? Did Absolutely. You, you wanted yeah. you want you want to compete against the yeah. best of the best. Obviously. Yeah, and it's literally the best of the best in America. Um, and the thing is. Um, in Europe taught me so well uh, how, how to how to race the cars. Um, I was ready for the challenge two years ago before I went to Europe. I was not ready for the challenge. One hundred percent. I was like, like, dude, I could never, you know, do a restart on cold tires and race against the pros in these prototype cars. Like, I could never do that. But after going to Europe and learning the car and learning how to race them, I feel so much better. And now I feel like I'm ready to, you know, race the best of the best. There's so many names out there. Um, you know, there's so many, even Formula One drivers in, in, in the Daytona race, you know, Alonzo Kobayashi, um, IndyCar guys, you know, Castro Nevis, Montoya, like, those are huge names. Um, and now I finally feel ready, you know, um, to at least, at least be in the game and at least be near them. So, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is, in your, in your career now, you started somewhere where you saw that you can compete. You can take it to the next level. You can make this your career. Was it it didn't work out or was it you needed a new change of scenery? You needed something different. You wanted more. There was something more you were seeking. For what What made you – I don't know if it was necessarily – You're talking about moving, from, mo- moving to mo- – I'm not moving to America. No, moving to America. I'm right. talking about what what kind of drived you to do that. Was it was it that, that juice behind it that's saying like, you know, I can be the best – and I don't well, know if I can do that in Europe or, or yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I hate curious. to sound so like robotic about it, but no, just be true it, to it's yourself. It's not, it's not, um, it wasn't a passion thing. I have passion for racing, whether it's in America or in Europe. Um, you know, I want to race the best of the best, which I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm talking about how amazing it is here in America, how competitive it is, but it, it's in Europe as well. There's amazing drivers there too. It's in both. Um, really this this move makes sense from a career perspective more than anything. Um, getting to associate myself and getting to drive a car like the Cadillac DPI is an incredible opportunity that I'm very thankful for. Um, Cadillac and Hunkos together um, make up an amazing racing team, and I, I could never pass up the opportunity to, to drive for a manufacturer like Cadillac. So that's a huge thing. Also, being in America, being close to home is huge for, um, for sponsor opportunities. Um, it's a lot easier for people to... It's a lot more relevant when you're racing here and you're on NBC Sports... You're not, um, making, versus, those, you're not like, making those international yeah, flights. Versus, you're not like, making, you know, versus the, you know, the cars being on TV at like 5 a.m. That's less relevant for sponsors here in the U.S. and where I know people. So business-wise and career-wise, this is a good move, but I would never rule out racing in Europe. But you did it. You know, It's yeah, done. It's set absolutely. in stone. You, yeah. It's already in the past yeah. now. You did it. So that's something that you learn from, you build from. Yeah. And, you know, it's only the way up from here. So yeah, absolutely. kind of touching on that Europe, I mean, I'm just curious because I know – you you would just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Yeah. How many flights did you take? Be honest, Dude, now, I took I know so it was a lot. Flights, you were in Europe. I mean, I remember calling you know calling you up during the weekdays, like, oh, I'm in France today. Like, oh, I'm in Italy today. Oh, no, I'm me, actually back in look Colorado. It up. I'm looking it up right now. So last year, according to my phone, I took 79 flights, 47 domestic, 32 international. I flew 133,000 miles, and I spent. 13.2 days in the air. And, Say that again. Say that again. 13. 13.2 days in the air. Uh, and also, here's the best part, I contributed 
I helped contribute 26.4 tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. Man, that is Oh, tough. just from flying. Man, I'm just so, man, killing I, off I, the environment. I can't even, yeah. I mean, for me, <laughs> I can't even fathom that, that it's just 13 days in the air. I know, it's kind of that, depressing. I mean, for me, that's just got to be, that's got to be a factor of getting back to the U.S. to race, right? Just not having yeah. to make those trips. Because I feel like, <laughs> you know, the first maybe 10 to 15 aren't yeah, too exactly. bad. It's <laughs> 20 to 30, come on now. I mean, the flights are the worst part, honestly. You're, I mean, I love going to Europe. The flights were pretty brutal. I mean, everybody's like, oh, my God, going to Europe is the coolest. It is the coolest thing once you get there and once you get over the jet lag. But Every other week? That's It's tough. Yeah, honestly, Maybe, it's, the jet know. lag is tough. Like, that's an underest. Like, when people go to Europe for vacation, they're like, holy crap, I feel terrible. Like... Of course. But when you're racing and you go there and you show up, you have no choice but to be on your game um, and get over that jet lag. So that was that was one of the hardest parts when I first started going to Europe. Of, of, of keeping, keeping your focus and staying like that. Jet hey, lag I'm, is like Yeah, jet yeah. lag is like mixed between having no energy and being depressed, really. So it's like you got to and, – and that means having no confidence. So you have to well, like completely change your mindset when you're in that mode and um, sort of hype yourself. Well, I, I know you know this and I know you probably don't want to obviously hear it, but – in certain racing ways, like you're kind of a big deal. So you fly to these places, you travel, you compete, but in like you said, not holding expectations for yourself might help, but but there are. Right. There are expectations. It's, it's just the inevitable truth right. Right. that you come to these races and you want to sit at least podium. Yeah, so but yeah. And it's the I think the most fascinating thing for me too, because I I'm a guy that, you know, I love all sports, you know, I'm a I'm a tennis, basketball, golf, yeah, football kind of right, guy, but right. but but something that I, I really just appreciate nonetheless is is racing because it's not necessarily you right. competing, it's you controlling it's the, right. this car. Yes, yes. You know, I, you, you're I, right. in control of the exactly car. So so yes. it's it's you making sure that this machine can do what it needs to do to get me to you know, get me to the finish line, it the sounds, promised land, yeah. right? It sounds sounds ridiculous, but like I mean, maybe I shouldn't be thinking about... Like, when I'm going to do a race, I don't think about this. But sometimes when I'm going to go out for practice and it's, like, a more chill day. Like, say we're doing a test day and we're not racing. Sometimes I think about what I'm doing and I'm like, what am I... Like, what am I about to do? I'm about to jump into this giant box that's made out of metal and carbon fiber. Hit this and I'm gas pedal. To, I'm about to go wheel. so much faster than, like, a human can go normally. Like, that's so weird. And I don't, I, you know, I try to not think about that when we're on the on the race weekend. Do you, do you, that's do you, not do you love it though? Be but honest. I love it because that's it's so weird. It's such a unique opportunity to drive a machine like that. You know, just thinking about all the all the engineering over history and all of the technology that it's that's gone into this car. You know, from the start of automobiles to now, all of that combined into the into this package that we call the Cadillac DPI is is it's incredible to be a part of it. Um, and to drive something so advanced and so mechanical. Um, so that's a really cool... I never forget how cool it is. Um, you know, when I'm on the race weekend, actually, you do forget a bit just how cool it is, but w when you get to test and you get to practice and there's less pressure, it, it doesn't go away. It's just like, man, this is, this is awesome. So when is the next race? The next race is Sebring coming up, I think it's March 14th. Okay, March, March 14th. 14th. And it's, it's is that... Soon. That is a 12-hour race. 12-hour? It is a couple hours south of Orlando at a track called Sebring. Um, it's, yeah, it's March March 16th, actually. Okay, so coming up very soon. Coming up very soon. We have a practice next week. I'm going to Florida on Monday. Uh, we have a one day of practice on Tuesday, 
And then um, at the end of the next week, we're going to Indiana to do some simulator of Sebring as well and to do some driver change practice and some more, you know, just have some meetings about the car setup and procedures. Um, so it's cool. We have another two sort of meetings or gatherings for the team before we actually do the race. Um, and there's a lot to learn from Daytona. So many lessons, um, so many mistakes to, re to, to, to recover from and to improve upon. But that's the exciting part is that we... We've had some laps under our belt now, and, and we know how it works. So, I mean, really, having a 24-hour race is a lot of time. <laughs> that we did 37 pit stops, I'm pretty sure, or something like in that range. That's a lot of pit stops. That's a lot of practice. So, yeah, I mean, we're going up against teams that have been doing this series for a couple of years, or well, for some of them, been doing this for like 15 years. Um, but I think that Hunkos Racing has a legitimate chance um, at getting a good result this year, and I, I hope it's I hope it's this race. I hope it's at Sebring. So nonetheless, a time where it's exciting for you because, you, have, like you said, you have a few races under your belt, you know what to expect, and from now it's just staying that, yeah. staying, keeping that focus, yeah. staying in that rhythm, so, being yeah. in the car. Sebring, I'll just give you a quick sort of briefing about Sebring. It's, it's a hard track, man. It is one of the hardest tracks. It is, it's technically a road course, but it really, when you're driving it, it feels like a street course. It's one of the bumpiest tracks of the year. Uh, it's got some really high-speed, um, intense places. Like the last corner, turn 17, is super bumpy, um, super. It's not dangerous, but it's it's sketchy. Like you can, it can definitely go wrong. Uh, turn one is a fifth gear left-hander. Just a little bit of brake. It's definitely uh, you're carrying at least 120, 130. I don't know. You're a ton of speed through there. Um, it's a it's a sketchy track because of how bumpy it is, um, and making the car behave well on a track like that it's hard to do. But that's what our job is as drivers is to uh, to make sure that it's, it's right. to perform. Of it's course, sure I mean, hey, it's ready for a twelve hour. Just like so. any athlete, you know, you can't pick the arena, you can't pick yeah. the court, you can't pick the racetrack. Yep. You just got to go out there and perform. Yep, so right. I I appreciate you stopping by the yep. show today. I appreciate you well, taking the time. Yeah, of appreciate. course. And I wish you and the rest of Junco just the best of luck in this WeatherTech Championship. Thank you. And hopefully get to check in with you maybe later in March Absolutely. or throughout the year just to Absolutely. check in and see how things are yeah, going. No problem, and hey, you never know. I mean, we might be we might be clanking some you know first place, second place medals the next time you're here. You might be getting some accolades yeah. on the belt. I mean, hey, how, how old are you? 23? 23. 23? Oh, so you got time. We got it's time, time, man. It's time. So Yeah, but we want it now. But yeah, we got time. Of course, of course. So all right, well, I appreciate you stopping by today. Thank you. And you killed it. You killed it today. Thanks, man.